Welcome to the Cacti Collective CCing You podcast, your wellness and productivity go-to. Each episode, we interview industry experts on everything from how to find the confidence you need to nail your next big meeting, to how to build a business in the ever-evolving wellness space. And don't worry, we'll be CCing you on everything. Today, we have a super special guest, one of my dear friends, Lee. Lee's a semi-retired MBA and a former wellness marketing guru turned trained yogi. Most recently, Lee has launched her self-love and mindfulness coaching business. As a coach, she works with men and women to bring out the best in people. And let me tell you, she most certainly does. On a more personal note, on behalf of Cacti, Lee has provided so much support and guidance through the ideation execution process of building this business. So it's only fitting that she comes on the podcast to share her wisdom with you all. You guys, literally, she does it all. So I just wanted to jump right in and get started on the conversation about her background. So hi, Lee. Hi, Kira. Stoked to be here. Yes, and right now you are traveling. I'm always traveling. (laughs) I'm in a constant state of transition. Um, The work is being comfortable, being slightly uncomfortable. I love that. It's adventure for sure. I'm glad that I caught you in LA, even if it's for a couple of days. (laughs) So I really wanted to dive right in and talk about your you know, a brief overview of your background and what you've done in both the corporate world and now kind of this more freelance, traveling everywhere all the time lifestyle. Um, I get a lot of questions about how to kind of take the leap from the corporate world to somewhere where you can kind of design your own life a little bit more, um, but still be fulfilled in your career. So if you want to just tell us about your path, I think that'd be awesome for everyone to hear. Sure, yeah, thanks. So life by design, like you even just said, to design and create your own life, I think really would be the ultimate goal for people. And that's definitely something that the generations now, I think, are very, very, very aware of. Um, When I was, you know, a a bit more mature, maybe, uh, a bit older probably than your audience, but when I was going through my kind of professional journey, um, I didn't know there was another way at all. So I worked, um, you know, traditional professional jobs, mostly in marketing, um, for about 14 years uh, in New York, um, and then transitioning to LA. But I was that typical type A perfectionist type of person. Um, kind of my machinery was running the show. I wasn't a dreamer. I thought dreamers were kind of stupid, honestly. I was honestly full of judgment as well, if I'm gonna say something like that, to be truly authentic with you. I didn't know there was life that was another way that I could actually design and create, not something I should do or have to do for someone else. Um, So I worked in marketing. Um, I got my MBA when I was in my late 20s, moved to New York, had a quote unquote successful career, right, in uh, in healthcare marketing. I worked with neurosurgeons, top neurosurgeons in the world. It was thrilling in so many ways and it was so dull and unfulfilling in so many other, I'd say more ways. about five years into my New York City experience, you know, kind of, again, successful, quote unquote, um, had my own place, uh, rising in my career, I was uh, afforded an opportunity for a big promotion uh, to run one of our hospitals and this 12 hospital, 12 hospital system we had going. And I struggled big time about this opportunity. And I remember I kind of did the, you know, use the traditional tools I had, like making a pro and con list. I talked to my parents. Um, and I had just started meditating, honestly, at that time and just getting a little more like steeped in my yoga meditation practice. And I would visualize 
once I knew I was up for the promotion, I'd start to visualize what it would be like to have this big job. And I already had kind of a big job. And I hated the way it looked. I mean, I just, hate is a very strong word, but I remember just being like, I'll have to wear a mask to this job every day and a costume. And I felt already rather inauthentic with myself at that time in my life. I had just started thinking maybe there was more out there for me or something different. More is an interesting concept, but by more, I mean like more fulfillment, more joy every day. Like that living for the weekend, <clears throat> trading my time for money, like hustling life. I started to know, I was just starting to think maybe there was something more for me. And I did my pro and con list and they offered me this role and I had 24 hours to decide. And I talked to my dad too. Oh my God, 24 hours. I had 24 hours. And I remember telling my dad, dad, I've been visualizing, you know, my dad's a scientist. He doesn't really know what visualizing is, but he was listening to me <laughs> as best he could. And um, he, I just said, I can't imagine myself doing this. I just can't imagine it and I know it's good on a resume and I know it's a career defining role and I cannot even imagine day one of walking into this role. Wow. And he said, then you absolutely shouldn't do it. And I remember walking in powerfully the next day to work, sending off my no thank you. And of course they came back at me for days, like how could you be denying this? Um, you know, we thought, we thought you were kind of that rising star here. And um, I was authentic right away and said, you know, I just don't think this is my path. And from that moment on, that, that concept is what I would kind of think is called undeniability. I made, I made a really powerful stand and choice for myself that I am going in a different direction. And I was giddy. I mean, I wasn't even nervous. Once you make choices like that, powerful choices from your authentic self, and I had just started getting you know having my first coach and again like meditating at that time i didn't even know the concept of authenticity before this mm -hmm. but that was the first time that i felt i embodied authenticity i knew that i was being my true self right then and there i never looked back from that moment i kept that job for another eight months while i planned to move to la i was gonna ask if you stayed right for a little bit after that or if yeah. you moved right away i i essentially set myself up and this is kind of how i how I worked on my transition for anyone who is curious and, and really wants to kind of get out of what they're in. Mm -hmm. um, once I was authentic, I started to share it. That's number one was like, again, taking the mask off, honestly practicing not caring what people think, letting the ego go as well, saying, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but it's not this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like it's not a powerful place to be in, but it's really, really, really freeing mm -hmm. to say, I don't know the answer, but I know it's, I've eliminated one of the possibilities and it's what I'm currently in. Mm -hmm. And over the next few months, I uh, started just, now my visualization and my meditation turned into like this huge smile of like what it would be like to live in the sunshine in LA and kind of honor my inner hippie. And I can still have an MBA and be smart and be, a killer you know I can still kind of do those things that bring that like outward kind of um, successful feeling of contributing to the world because at that point I didn't know I was gonna go into coaching I didn't know any of that um, but yeah I just started to one step at a time tell people and kind of visualize what I could then live into as far as what my real purpose and goals and dreams were about my next chapter 
Um, and I had my part-time job at SoulCycle, which shout out to SoulCycle because <laughs> not only did it show me that I could work my hobby, which was always fitness. I've always been an athlete in shape, a runner, and um, I could actually work professionally within my hobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one told me that. Mm-hmm. I mean, do people teach that? No. Do, parent, <laughs> do parents say that? You and know. I think it, I think that's a good point because I don't think it's necessarily a fault of you know our parents. I think it's more of a generational thing. You know, they didn't. Our parents don't teach us that because they never experienced that in most cases. So they didn't experience following their hobby and and making that their career. And if they did, they're really lucky. I mean, both actually you and I have fathers that are scientists. And so for in that extent, I've always felt like my dad is doing that because a he's a genius, but b because. He loves science. He loves discovering things. So he was really fortunate to find that in his hobby. But I would say that, you know, a lot of, a lot of friends of mine, even, even people that aren't on the coasts, I think have the mindset that you go into a corporate environment and you stay there and you climb the ladder. And for some people that's perfect. And for some people that works. And I don't think either of us by any means are saying you have to quit your nine to five and go do something else. Like that's not the message here, but for people that are looking for something else, it's possible. And I also think I'd love for, to get your perspective about the kind of hustle behind it. So mm-hmm. let's backtrack. You're in New York. Mm-hmm. You say no to this amazing opportunity. You have about, you know, you don't know exactly how long you're going to stay, but you're thinking you're going to phase your way out of the hospital. Right. So you're there for eight more months. What is the, if we kind of go down and shrink it down to a more like micro level of that move, what was, what were the steps you took to, you know, you've said no, but now what are the steps you took to get yourself to LA, get the part-time job at SoulCycle and start to build those connections besides just telling people? Right. So I think I started to pick my head up. I started to, first of all, as soon as you make that, that undeniability, that kind of choice and change for yourself, your lenses, your context for everything changes. And so I started to pick my head up and start to like, one, use my network. I started again sharing. So I would tell people, you know, I think I'm going to move to LA or, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do yet for work today. And if you tell people that enough, the right people and person, sometimes it could take one person Mm -hmm. to say, oh, you know what? I actually work in corporate for SoulCycle. Mm -hmm. The reason I had my SoulCycle part-time job is I met, so I started to tell people I wanted something else. And um, Ariel Dubshinsky, who's such an awesome, awesome, awesome woman who paved the way before me, was like, oh, I work corporate for SoulCycle. Do you want a part-time job there? It just started as a part-time job. You don't always know the end goal. It's just like do the little steps. Mm-hmm. When you wake up and you're clear and you're, you know you're full of choice to create, you just choose to take one step, mm-hmm. not knowing the full goal. Right, so you can visualize, okay, I want to be in California and I want to work for myself. Great. What do you see in front of you right now to do? Mm-hmm. Just one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. So I asked for a job at SoulCycle. I got that. I knew my lease was up in eight months. I said to myself right then and there, I'm not going to labor over this decision. I'm going to make a powerful choice to just not renew my lease. Mm-hmm. You know, like the anxiety... It's a good practice, again, through meditation, too, just to be really calm and decisive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I knew I was going to do that. Um, I knew there were marketing jobs in SoulCycle. I knew if I just kind of stayed the course, um, you know, I still continue to work really engaged and do a really, really, really good job because I knew, again, it's network. Mm-hmm. Um, so I continued to work. 
Um, I went to LA a few times. I started to make friends out here. Um, not with an agenda, just with an open heart. Mm -hmm. And I just started to get a really good feeling that as soon as I moved out here, again, I moved here with a part-time job. Like, I really, really did. I moved here with a part-time job, and I lived with a really, really, really good girlfriend who's happens to be married and um, kind of, you know, well-supported. And so we, thereby, for a few months, were pretty well-supported. I just started to ask people for help. And I had a really good goal and vision for myself of being here and then figuring it out. This was the first time in life I ever had that again. My relationship to people who did that before was that they are like totally off their rocker. Mm -hmm. um, and I just started to lean into the unknown. And again, being comfortable, being totally uncomfortable, which I practiced through <laughs> pretty much endurance sports, running, hot yoga, meditation, just kind of being like, okay, I have everything I need for this choice. Mm -hmm. It's going to carry me and I have full faith in the process. And just like everyone says, and it's true when you really embody this, like when you open yourself to things like that, the universe pushes you forward. I mean, it just keeps pushing you forward. Yeah. So yeah, eight months later, quit my, <laughs> I, put, I think I gave them like two months notice because I had been there for years and years and years. Um, and they were like, you know, wonderful. If there's anything you need, I left on wonderful terms. I still have those contacts. They've still worked for me so many times. And I moved myself here, you know. <laughs> um, I used a lot of that, you know, hard-earned money that I worked really hard for in New York and knew that I was pretty well supported and knew that if I just broke even every day when I got here, because I didn't have a rent, all I had was a part-time job that I knew could turn into something. The job that I wound up having at SoulCycle a few months later didn't exist at the time. I just knew. So tell everyone what that, kind of what your path in SoulCycle was, because you started yeah. out just front desk, yeah. right? Yes. Right. So I was front desk um, <laughs> at East 63rd in Upper East Side of New York. What a blast. I would um, just honestly shout out to anyone who has high capacity or wants to test their capacity. I used to open the studio at 5.30 in the morning. I lived in Astoria at the time too, so that was a little bit of a commute. I would come to the studio at 5.30, I'd get up at 4 to do my morning routine, which <laughs> always is a thing in my life, like make time. Yeah, check out, time. check out all of Lee's resources because she has quite the dialed in morning routine. Yeah, anywhere, any place, like you just, it's, it's a thing, guys, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> so I would do that, I would go work at the studio 5.30 to 10.30, sometimes I would ride in the class, and then I would put a suit on and go to the hospital. Um, I just want to back up and say that when I took that part-time job at SoulCycle, I went into work one day right after denying the promotion and said, by the way, I have a passion outside of work. And like, I just want to kind of make this clear because if you guys want to start to play in, an, in a world that's outside what you're doing right now, I promise you, if you make a powerful request about it, it won't be denied and you just do it a few times and you do it with all your heart and authenticity and you promise to keep your integrity to your work, people find it very hard to say no. I had a very, very traditional conservative boss and I told him, I have a passion outside of here. It will not affect my work. I will be coming in late two or three times a week. And he said, I've never had someone ask me that. I cannot see why not though. Give me one night to think about it. And he came back the next day and said, just send me the hours every week that you won't be here, and I trust you. We never talked about it again. You just do what you have to do. So I had days like that. I did that for, oh gosh, a year and a half. 
on the Upper East Side. And then I moved here. I worked at Santa Monica, uh, front desk again. Just did that. What a time in my life. All I did was soul cycle and go to the beach and visualize what the next thing was. And um, did that. And then, thank you, universe, created a marketing position, um, a corporate marketing position. And I was considered for it immediately. With SoulCycle. Right, with SoulCycle. Um, so the region here has 13 studios. This position was to pick up four of those studios and essentially run their marketing. So run everything from, you know, national campaigns and initiatives all the way down to the local and hyper-local level for each market um, for those studios. And it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Um, Again, with my experience, they kind of took me in almost right away. And the people I knew, the network I made, network is everything. And I had a lot of people vouch for me because I hadn't been with the company in LA for too long, but it didn't matter. How did you ask for that position? Or you said you created the position. Kind of how did you go into that conversation? Um, Practicing a lot of confidence. (laughs) Like um, demonstrating my value. Um, Having really good faith in what I did in another world really does translate because of who I am and the skills I have. And again, when you're transitioning from one industry, you know, I was in healthcare, big healthcare, to fitness like no I didn't know anything actually I didn't even know that much about LA but of course I could learn of course and so I just pretty much again like really practice generating myself to be someone who knows how to add value and knows how to communicate that I can do that um, the interview process was actually rather quick I think that they knew and I knew right away that I, I would be me yeah um, and there was a team of us for a while and then there was just a few of us. We took on more and more studios. And um, it's a tough business. Fitness, wellness in LA, obviously yeah. there's a lot of it. Competition. Competition. And you know what? A lot of really good, really good collaboration though. And SoulCycle, companies like that, they teach you so much. And your network and your connections grow exponentially. I can't even tell you. It's hard to think of sometimes an opportunity I haven't gotten because of connection from SoulCycle. Wow. Um, so I feel that same way about Equinox, yeah. actually, which parent company, but right. it's interesting that, that I feel that same way. You meet, especially in this area, yeah. while there's so much competition, you meet so many people yeah. that, that are, you know, they might not even be in the fitness industry, but they know someone that knows someone that does this. And it, when you're in a fitness environment, it opens people, breaks them wide open. So they're like very vulnerable and you know, they're feeling good because they just finished their workout. They're ready to chat with you and it just kind of rolls from there. Right. And I remember when we met, we were both in that, you know, environment all the time where people, we just get to see people at their highest, Mm -hmm. at their highest. And it makes you feel like you're always at your highest. It really does. Yeah. I mean, and, and really good coffee. But other than that, (laughs) when it's 530 in the morning and you are just exploding with joy constantly, it's a really good practice you don't even realize. Like you're just subconsciously knowing what it's like to be smiling all the time. And then you're like, oh, I only want that. What, yeah. what, what, what else can I do that's like that? Um, and then, so I did that here for a year. Um, on a personal level, moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, took on some consulting for the first time, so I quit Soul. It was a huge deal. But that was, again, another undeniable moment where I said, you know what, I think it's time I start working for myself. That took a lot of courage. You remember that decision. Yeah. (laughs) 
um, you were making your decision as well. Yeah. We were both like just in a coffee shop <laughs> on Wilshire saying <laughs> we met before I had to go into work. And I said, I'm putting in my two weeks. I said, I think I'm going to put in my two weeks notice. She said, do it. I said, okay, I'm doing it today. And I did it. And you did it. That day. You did it. And I was like, oh, wow, she did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I was like generating pom-poms from my hands for you all day, like in celebration. Because, my God, isn't it? It feels so good. Yeah. And you're, it's what you were saying earlier. You know, you, you're doing something that is so true to yourself that even, yes, there's always fear involved in making a decision like that. How am I going to pay my bills in a month when I run out of money? How, yeah. You know, there's things like that, but it's, but I'm not, you can't make this up. You feel the joy that you feel when you mm. make a decision that is so aligned with yourself mm -hmm. far surpasses any fear. And yeah. you don't know that until you actually do it. Yeah. Like you have to actually, you can't think about it. Right. You can't say you want to. At some point you just have to rip off the bandaid and make, as you said before, be decisive, yeah. make the decision and just trust yeah. that everything's going to fall into place. Well, it always does. I mean, it always does. And if you, there's a concept here, and this is a little kind of getting into um, coaching world a little bit, but it's really, really, really kind of understandable. So, um, Decisions, decide. So side, C-I-D-E, means to cut off, like homicide, genocide. Da -da. Oh, wow. so, so decisions, like when you, if you think, because I'm going to make it like just a distinction between choice and decision, um, because choice is what we're going for. <laughs> um, decisions are when you think of all the reasons. It's kind of a back in. It's what we mostly do, mm -hmm. right? So if you think of like all the anxiety and indecision that you spend, right? All the time in your head you spend when you have to make you have to make a, cho a choice decision. Um, it's like torture, right? Like, do you kind of think of like the last decision you made? Is it like kind of a torturous process in your head where you're cutting off all the other possibilities? You're using reasonability. Well, this is why I can't do it this way. This is why I can't do it this way. And then you arrive at the answer for yeah. yourself. Choice, though, is freely choosing. Not considering all the reasonability, right? All the like safety nets and like uh, comforts and uh, here's why nots. Choice is just like close your eyes, take a few breaths, think about how what you want to do, where you want to be. The one that makes you smile, just choose that and get out of your head. Just choose it, say it, pick it. And then once you've done that, go back and then do the things that set you up for First of all, it's so freeing of the labor that you would spend in your head about it, and it's what you want, and people and the universe will help you. Again, I moved to <laughs> LA with a part-time job, yep. breaking even every day, figuring it out. Yeah. And honestly, knowing that it's just, that was like, the <laughs> that was when I was like, my life is a journey. <laughs> I was like... I don't know what arrival even means. I don't think that's the goal. My life from this point on is a journey. Yeah. And just knowing, like, this is a path and, like, damn, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's how that's how that went. Uh, I moved to Arizona. Um, I consulted for a fitness, uh, boutique fitness startup because that's what I knew. And, again, that still makes me happy. Every day I still wanted to be in a place where people are smiling and that's the highest point of their day and they're getting well. Um. I had an opportunity to run a startup for the first time in my life. Uh, so I took that, that, that consulting gig again, you don't know what you need, but the universe gives it to you. Um, I had a shift in that personal, in that reason, that personal reason that drew me to Arizona. And I had to kind of, you know, go back to work a little more formally. 
that startup I was consulting for said, do you want to just run it? Because they needed a direction. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, gee, I never thought I'd do this, but that seems aligned for now. It'll show me the next step. Everything you do before helps you for what you need now. Yeah. Every time in everyone's life. So I said, sure. And I did that for a few months. I learned, oh my gosh, everything. And I learned most importantly that if I can run a startup with someone else, I can certainly run my own. Mm -hmm. So there was absolutely a reason it gave me the courage. I had to lead, lead for the first time. And I said, again, it was one of those undeniable moments. At this point, I had my second or third coach in my life. And we were on a virtual call. She lives in Vegas. And she looked me dead in the eye. Actually, she recorded the coaching session. I have watched it a million times. It's actually a little horrifying. Um, she said, you are so out of alignment right now because you so know that you want to do this for yourself. And I put my hands on my head, like on my face, like the home alone, like hand smack. <laughs> with the, um, and was like, I know. Again, another undeniable moment. Like everyone just kind of chronicle those undeniable moments for you because those are the breakthroughs right there. I was like, you're right. And then she um, encouraged me to leap again off a cliff. <sighs> <laughs> Again, leaping off the cliff is where all the, the gold happens. And when was this? Um, this just a few was months just ago. Just a few months ago. Yeah. And so um, I left. Um, I came back to LA. Uh, I decided that I was going to travel, start to travel. I knew that at some point something, I knew I was going to start to create and I knew it was going to be in coaching. Uh, I had a chance to coach, accountability coach actually. Um, when I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I loved it. And I loved standing for people. And I realized that my whole life I've actually been a coach and a teacher and a mentor and a friend and an educator and a therapist in a way. Mm -hmm. And I've been told before that I'm the voice in people's heads. Like, I have two younger brothers. They always tell me, you're the voice in my head. Yeah. And the word teacher would come up. And the word, you know, when you are clear in the mind, you are open for the signs that people tell you. Yeah. When people tell you four times a day, you're a teacher, you're a teacher, you're a teacher, you're a teacher. If you have blinders on because you're stressed, like you don't hear that. Yeah. If you're looking for signs, cool, then I'm a teacher. Thank you for letting me know. Um, and so I, yeah, started to work with this coach more formally. And we have over the course of several months developed what I think is definitely my purpose. Um, and it feels so, so good to yeah. be so aligned and on purpose in life. Um, kind of a concept I'm working with now is that joy isn't dependent on your circumstances. And so every day, you know, the life, this life, it's um, challenging. You know, you've got to create your schedule, create your direction, hold your own accountability, find the partners that are good for you. Say yes a million times before you can start saying no. Um, it's so much unknown. And if you come at it every day like it's a game and the goal is to have fun, it's really, really fun. Yeah. And you take on all things to make it work. Again, you don't know every day. Sometimes you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get paid from X or da, da, da. And you just do it. And it just works. It just works. It just works. No one's going to let you fall flat on your face either. Especially if you come into the conversations like, I'm not going to let myself fall flat on my face. And sometimes even if you do, people pick you up. Right. And you know, if you practice this long enough, you know you have everything you need to pick yourself up. Mm -hmm. so, so that's where we are. Yeah. And I guess kind of to come full circle, 
I would love to get and what you were even just talking about right now of, of the trust and not being afraid to fall flat on your face because you won't but if you do there is the support of yourself and the networks that you created and the friendships and relationships that you have yeah. whether that's family or friends you've met along the way or new friends I mean it's different for every person but I guess my kind of final question for you is when it comes to ego yeah <laughs> You looked me in the eye about, I'd say a month ago. Lee put together this lovely trail running group, and she was, you know, in and out of LA, but she was here. I went to it one time. Um, we went through Will Rogers. It was beautiful. So, of course, as we were speaking about earlier, we're all on a high because we've done our <laughs> early morning run in the mountains in Santa Monica. I mean, there's nothing better. We come down, and she and I had planned to go meet at beaming to get a smoothie mm -hmm. so we go and as we're you know our conversation goes on for an hour we're like we have 30 minutes it's been an hour <laughs> and a half we're like okay we really got to go so we're leaving and we're seeing now we're now we're standing outside of beaming rather than <laughs> sitting there because we're not ready to go to our car but we've now left beaming so we're standing on the sidewalk and she looks at me and she goes honestly kira i have little ego left like, I will, you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm going to be traveling a little bit. Then I'm going to come back here. Maybe I'll take on a part-time job while I kind of start to figure stuff out. Like, I I really don't care. I have, I'm not worried about what people think about that decision. And it just was such a great thing to hear because I'm not there yet personally. I struggle with it a lot about what other people think of me. And I'm sure there are times when you it comes to your mind still. But I would love to hear what do you do as like kind of a daily practice? Of course, it takes time to, to drill these things into your head, but what do you do as a daily practice? What would be the number one thing you would do to kind of help you release that ego? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, the, the number one thing, I think the, the foundation is all in the mindfulness behind it. It's all in the calm and security behind that I know, and I don't need anyone else to know, I know that what I'm doing makes me feel deeply, deeply, deeply happy. And I practice that mostly in my short meditations in the morning, but on a daily basis to drill it in so that even subconsciously, I know that I am on purpose and I feel light and free and great. And it took a long time to be able to tell people, I don't know, my parents you know when you start doing transitions like that people get nervous for you mm -hmm. you don't want to worry people you know your parents are like what do you mean you don't know where where you're gonna stay i'm like i, I don't but i'll i i know 40 people it's mm -hmm. gonna be fine um it's just promising yourself that like you yourself um are smart enough are kind enough are resourceful enough you know, giving, like, honestly, affirmations help a lot. Like, even that, I mean, I journal my ways of being every day. Um, it's just three things I tell myself every day how I'm going to be. Different than an affirmation a little bit, and I'll I give an that. example. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of, I put them in the bucket of intentions. So I'll pick three because I can be accountable to three. And I'll say, today I am powerful, fun, and productive. And then I'll check in with myself during the course of the day. Like, am I being what I said I'm going to be because I am my word? And so it kind of keeps the awareness, again, this is like all in, in mindfulness and awareness of I'm on my path. There's nothing more to do about it. 
There's nothing more to do. I'm just in action. I don't need to think it. I just need to be it. It's embodied. It takes. It took me years. Mm-hmm. It took me years of a steady practice to do that. To be able to then confidently tell people, without ego, I know what I'm doing, or I don't know what I'm doing, but it's all good, and I'd rather be here. And I love that your tone for both of those statements was exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like all. It's just. It doesn't matter because it's not based upon someone's opinion of it. It's just the statement of the situation. It's not. And when I say I don't care what people think of me, sometimes I think that that sounds callous or even like a lie. Like people, are like how could you possibly not care? I don't. I don't care. I mean, I just people are also. I think what we forget is that so people are busy caring about themselves. We think people care about what we do so much more than they do. I think a lot of times, even, you know, think about, again, when you have to, think about times in your life where you had to tell someone, like, bad news, or you know, something as simple as, I, I can't go to the party, mm-hmm. right? We, we like, lament over this thing, like, it's going to be terrible to tell the person, like, they're a baby and can't handle what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. We decide for them that they're going to be sad or pissed, and then you tell them, we've all these moments where you're like, I can't go to the party, and they're like, okay. And if they're not, <laughs> and if they don't respond that way, then is that someone you really want to, you know, if they're right. going to freak out over that, then right. it's probably not a very stable friendship, you know? Right. right. And if you, you know, if you depend on your friends to be whole people and to, you know, I, I'm like, I swear by the four agreements and one of them is, you know, don't take anything personally. If you tell someone something like, hey, parents, I don't know what I'm doing. If they come at you, which they will with worry at first, by the way, they won't eventually. They'll just see that you're happy as hell and they'll let you be. And then they'll start cheering for you. And then they'll start doing your meditations and telling you, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. And you're like, oh my God, my dad who's a scientist is proud of me for making a meditation. How did this come to be? Mm -hmm. You thought you had to wear a suit for dad. Okay, no, you don't. Um, (laughs) Right? And we don't. (laughs) We really, really don't because they just, ultimately, guys, like, I think people around us just want to see us happy. Yeah. And if they have a life of fear, you know, they're going to come at you with worry, like, oh my God, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. I have friends who are like, what are you going to do? I mean, I had friends like that because I don't want to keep people who are so scared about what I'm going to do when I'm smiling, telling them I don't know what I'm going to do. Follow my lead. I don't know. I'm happy about it. And... You just, again, stop caring about or stop anticipating what so how someone's going to react based on their circumstances to you. It has nothing to do with you. What someone thinks has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Just as they shouldn't take personally when you can't do something, you shouldn't take personally their reactions to anything you're telling them. Right. It's your path. Stay on your path. That's it. Well, you are so wise, and I am so lucky to know you, and I'm so glad that the audience is going to be able to hear that awesome story. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Also, congratulations on all of your endeavors. Thank you. This is wonderful. It's really going to be, this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful resource. And Lee's going to be a part of it, so stay tuned for her meditations and just mindfulness tips as we move.